This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest podcast from Blood Red. I'm Matt Addison and on this special episode of the show, I'm going to be joined by Five Yards co-founder Guy Rogers, who's an expert in all things scouting, analytics and transfers. How do clubs choose which players to move for? How do they know how much to pay? And why are some clubs like Liverpool so much better at it than others? With reference to the Reds, of course, there's no better example to centre our chat around. Guy has a background in bookmaking and football through Squawker and 21st Club, who advise football clubs on how to advance themselves off the field and maintain their competitive advantage in recruitment, analytics, scouting and more. It's an area of football that's really ballooned in size in recent years and something that Liverpool are right at the forefront of. Of course, under the guidance of Sporting Director Michael Edwards. Guy, welcome to Blood Red. Thanks for joining me. We're going to get into a, a few different bits this morning regarding Liverpool shortly, but I think we should probably start with your business and, and the reason that you come onto the pod, obviously your expertise through Five Yards. Tell us a little bit about that project. What is it and, and how did it sort of come about? Uh, yes, yeah, so it's, it came about about uh, almost two years ago now. So me with a couple of guys, one guy I used to work with at Squawker, and we spent quite a lot of time there looking at players, obviously, looking at values of players. Um, uh, I think I probably, like quite a lot of people, would love to uh, to own a football club and build an amazing team, but uh, probably not going to happen for me. But um, we've played champ manager for 20, 30 years, and uh, we just wanted to see if we could replicate that in the real world and build a transfer market for the fans. Um, so the key really was to find some simple way of um, valuing players and then letting their career correlate with what happens in the real world. So we spent quite a lot of time coming up with how we value players and we've done that, we think. We've done that pretty well. Um, we've got about 700 players on the platform now and you can buy and sell them for real money or you can uh, you can scout them and that kind of tracks how well you've done. So the real aim is to get you to feel a little bit closer to the players and get to prove that you kind of know what you're talking about. And we, you know, I feel like I could do it, but I'm sure I'm like lots of people and whether I actually could do it if I was in a club, I don't know. I spent a couple of years, last couple of years, trying to get into football a bit more. I, um, uh, I'd previously been a bookmaker and I've worked for, a, and I still work a bit for a company called 21st Club who advise football clubs. So I, I went in and did... Um, little bits of recruitment in a few clubs last year and the year before. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just interesting seeing behind behind the door and uh, um, and what's going on. And yeah, I think there's a lot of people out there, a lot of people on social media who spend a lot of their time, mostly unpaid, analysing players. And, and I think if we could create a way of some of those guys getting into football that'd be amazing hopefully we might be able to open a couple of doors we did a bit of work for for Wickham last a uh, couple of weeks ago we did some stuff for some agencies uh, before Christmas and uh, yeah so not only do we want to provide a platform where people can come on and show their skills for themselves but also you know the classic champ manager CV that people have got maybe we can help a little bit with that as well that's the aim with it. And uh, yeah, we've been live for uh, nearly three months now. Yeah, it's obviously a, a big 
growing sector within football, I think, isn't it? It's something that's really took off maybe over the last, what, three to five years, something like that. I mean, it, it, if people are interested in, in getting involved in this, I mean, I'm sure they'll have probably listened to our Analyzing Anfield podcast and, and things like that, that that our listeners will be aware of. I mean, in terms of, of five yards, how can, can people get in touch with you or, or get in, involved in this project? Yeah, I mean, just uh, we're on we're on uh, fiveyards.co.uk, um, so you can come in and have a look. I think the easiest way to do things is probably you can, once you register, you can kind of track players and then you can see what happens with them. We have two transfer windows a week. So trying to replicate the transfer world, you know, it's about two sevenths of the of the year is uh, clubs can buy players, but obviously that wouldn't quite work for, for users. So, um, so two days a week, we're open at the moment. Uh, transfer windows open Tuesdays and Fridays. And yeah, you can go in, you, your money converts. So if you put 10 quid in, that gets you a million pounds in our kind of currency and you can buy anywhere between one and a hundred percent in any player. Yeah. I think, I think the best way is always just to go in have a look and use the track maybe to, to get a better feel of what's happening or just read some scout reports, see what people have done. Uh, we've got about 800 scout reports on there now and a, a few, few well-known scouts, uh, a lot less well-known and we got scout of the month competitions and stuff and uh yeah just um uh but uh there's there's a little customer service uh pop-up chat thing there so yeah uh i'm often looking over it so uh any any questions please just uh send them through that or similarly go on our twitter page and you can interact with us there you mentioned as well the, the sort of formula that you use to try and calculate these prices and, and try and assess players. Is that very much a, a mathematical way of doing it, trying to, to sort of take the emotion out of it, if you like? Obviously, certain players and certain clubs invoke certain things within certain people. Is this a, a sort of way of, of making this as, as methodological as possible, if you like? Look, I think, I think football's all a, about the opinions. I mean, there's there's a lot of data that's goes around I, I still believe that um, overall the eye is better at analyzing players than data it's just it's it's hard to go and see enough games and as an individual so I think data can often be a shortcut but what we want to do is like once you buy a player they earn performance pay and that's kind of we're trying to put into into a value what the players contribute for their teams like a team buys a player because he thinks he's going to secure points for them which essentially is securing value for the club as a whole um so when a player scores a goal starts in a winning team or makes an assist they get performance pay and the price is essentially that our guess of how much performance pay they'll make over the rest of their career so in a year the top players come to the top um over with the with the values of the players then age is a big factor so the top two players on the platform are Mbappe and Haaland, which is probably what you'd expect. The top five players for uh, for making performance pay this season are, I think, Mbappe, Haaland, Messi, Lewandowski and Fernandez. So it's I think it's pretty good at getting the right people there. And and then hopefully the values sort of make sense. So um, Mbappe is at 203 million, I think, now. Haaland's about 135. Bruno's about 80 um so yeah you know we we want to be as close as we can to the market the market's difficult to work out long term but that's uh, that's the kind of aim the blood red podcast from the liverpool echo 
Let's have a little bit of a chat then about scouting and obviously Liverpool in particular for our audience is something that they are especially bothered about. And I suppose in terms of scouting and analytics and data, Liverpool are one of the best clubs in the world really at being able to, to use that. I mean, what is it do you think that, that makes Michael Edwards and, and Ian Graham, and I know you've met one or two of the, the people behind the scenes at, at Liverpool in terms of, of the analytics, what makes them stand out so much? How can they keep so far ahead of the rest of the field, seemingly, in terms of this real emerging market. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been amazing, isn't it? I mean, if you look over the transfers over the last uh, four years, there's hardly been a dud. I mean, Minamino wasn't a great success, but he was only a few million. And um, I think he came in, you know, a difficult time as well. You know, as soon as we went into COVID, it's uh, difficult for him to really cement a place and, you know, he was born as a squad player. But other than that, it's been incredible. Um, I think the key is with any market, it's just trying to find an edge in it. Very interesting how we bought a couple of players off relegated teams. I think Robertson we got when Hull were going down. Pretty sure Newcastle were going down when we bought Van Alden. I do kind of think that the whole structure of the club and the leadership from Klopp and I'm sure from... Uh, managing director, sporting director is so critical. On average, I reckon about 50% of transfers um, work out. And to get it to, I mean, you'd probably say 80, 90% for Liverpool over the last four years, I think there's it's more than just the identifying of the players. I think it's understanding that those players will fit into the club, both in a style of play and an ethos. Uh, I think Klopp's, you know, it's all about the collective um, everyone, everyone likes to laugh at the West Brom uh, celebration after the tour. But I think he realises how key the support is and that everyone's behind the players. You know, it's a real team group. And obviously, he's a leader that they all seem to respect and, and love as well. And it's, you know, it's obviously been very interesting what's happened, you know, the last six, well, three months, really. Um, and, you know, whether the fans not being there has contributed to that because Liverpool feel like they've they've needed that to to push them on. Um, and uh, so I think, yeah, I think the recruitment team have done an amazing job. But I do think there's a lot to be said for the structure and the and the way Klopp um, brings the players in. You know, was, I think Robertson took about three months before he started playing, like gets them so they really understand their their role and they feel secure in that role and they feel ready to to play. And it's that different to any job that people are in. They want to feel feel valued and feel like they know what they're doing. Um, but I think in terms of the players that are identified, generally they've got good injury records. Uh, I think that's important. I think looking for the physical attributes, I think, are pretty important um, for for his team. You know, the, the amount of running they need to do. Um, but also having that kind of foresight to move players around and their adaptability. I mean, when Alden was a great example, you wouldn't have thought that he was going to end up being a, a number six and hardly ever scoring or assisting. But you know, he's probably one of the most, certainly this season, I think he's, he's probably played more than anyone else. So, yeah, I think going forward, it's it's just understanding where the market probably overrates players and where it underrates them and taking advantage of it and then having a price that, you'll play at and, and not going over it. I think a lot of times Liverpool fans, I think when Pepe was uh, going to Arsenal, there was a bit like, oh, we all want Pepe. And Liverpool decided that 
that price was yeah you know, I don't know if they were ever in for him but it felt like we're not we're not going to deal at that price um and uh, and you know obviously there was the frustration with Fakir as well which is kind of harks to the injury record that they just wouldn't take a chance on him and that's why the Tiago signing was kind of probably the one that was a little bit different to every other signing but I think when a, a truly world-class player is available for that amount of money and I mean, I was so excited about him joining and I still think he's going to be a great player, but um, it's come at a difficult time for him with, and I think he really could have done with Van Dijk in the team and uh, the defence more solid. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned it at the start of that answer of the sort of cohesion and embedding players in at Liverpool. Is there a statistical way that you can measure how well a player might sort of fit into a, a new team? Is there a way that you can sort of make that a bit more mathematical or is that just a, an eye test that you look at the, a certain player and you can look at when Aldam even at, at Newcastle a completely different team a completely different position and yet Liverpool somehow managed to, to work out that he could be really useful for them but in a, a slightly different role yeah I don't know it's um uh, I mean obviously injury records you can work out um uh I mean I think the mental side is how you would with anyone you've got to talk to them you've got to talk to people that know them and and find out what sort of character they are I don't have any uh data points for it that I'd have I mean I'm interested I, I think some really simple data like how often a player is substituted gives a bit of a indication to to how important they are to the team and how um and how you know they need to call on them they're willing to put their trust in them um and I think I think football's a pretty pretty tight community in terms of I think they know who are the troublemakers and who aren't and I think some managers love sort of shaping those sort of players and others they need them to come in and be a team player from day one and I think that's probably what he needs you know there does it doesn't feel like there's any player that's above the rest of the team with with Klopp and Jurgen Klopp as well obviously hugely important for Liverpool in terms of integrating and identifying these players is Liverpool's structure, do you think, in terms of Michael Edwards, in terms of Ian Graham, the rest of that team, is the structure in place so that even beyond Jurgen Klopp, this sort of transfer recruitment can continue? Or do you think once Jurgen Klopp has left the club, will that maybe be a bit more difficult for them? I think they'll, I think they'll pick the right players. Uh, I mean, it's, it's hard to know exactly how much influence Klopp has on the, um, on the transfers. But I think I think they'll continue to pick the right players and find value in the market. People are trying to catch up. You know, you've got um, I saw Luton just um, brought in a, a guy on their data side. I saw a, I can't remember the other club I saw this week um, and people from outside of football. So I think people will try and catch up. I think they've got a big advantage on everyone else. They've got a lot of a big team already, um, an experienced team that kind of have have seen the market now, know the market. And uh, I think it will take a while for other clubs to ca catch up. I don't think United have a big analytics team and uh, or didn't have. And these things take time because it's, it's also hard to, you know, lots of people talk about data and I, I have quite a few conversations with people about oh, what data should we have and what data do we need? And I'm like, you really, it's more about the right people that understand it rather than the actual data and a lot of data is is useless and uh you've got to give them the 
you've got to give them some power in, in the decision making because that's what they've done as well. You know, it's uh, by letting their letting their opinions come to the fore, then you get to really see. And uh, yeah, I think th- people are going to catch up. I think I think whoever comes in as the next manager may not be as as good as Klopp. It'd be tough to to follow him. It'd be tough for anyone to take the role after him. And I think then we'll see a little bit more whether, you know, how much it's been down to the recruitment, how much it's been down to uh, Klopp's integration of the players um, and having a, you know, a strategy. How do you think Liverpool can sort of stay ahead of the game and ahead of their rivals? It's obviously a big thing for them to have this data and analytics because they don't have as much money as, say, a Manchester United, a Manchester City, a Chelsea. They have to do things slightly differently. Is there something that they can do, you know, maybe the, the next step in analysis or, or scouting that you think they can can move towards to, to stay ahead of the rest of the pack? Uh, I think they're well ahead of me already, so uh, I don't think I could tell them anything, but I think I think it's just getting really good people and 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 keep pushing the the boundaries with it and keep looking for for edges in the market. You know, it seems at the moment that a lot of younger players are coming through earlier than they were before. I just assume seventeen and eighteen year olds playing in Champions League, which I don't know I don't know the data on, but it doesn't feel like that was happening three or four years ago. Um and are those players starting to get overvalued? Is it you know, do you start looking at twenty-three year olds again? Or do, I think I think there's always like a, there's a movement towards uh, certain areas of the market, like League Two in France had a period where after the Mares and Kante um transfers where everyone's going you know, is that the place to look? And I think it's just being smart and and working out that not you're not going to overvalue certain areas and take a good look at the areas where people aren't looking. But it's a small pool for Liverpool now, like of getting players to improve the team. Like it's harder than it was when Klopp joined because you know you're in the top five or six teams in the world. In terms of individual scouts as well, I quite often get questions in terms of, you know, what is it that Liverpool are looking for? How do they assess a player? I mean, is there a sort of standard way of going about it for scouts or is it up to each individual scout to to work out, you know, how do they mark a player? How do they grade them and and sort of assess them in each area of their game? Yeah, I mean, we've got, so we have five scouts that work for us that are um, uh, analysing the players and they, a couple of them do work for clubs as well. And so they helped us kind of like define our scout report and they use a like a four corner model, which is a tactical, technical, physical and mental. Um, and then they rate the players in those four areas and then they'll give overall assessments of the players. Uh, tend to They tend to feel like they need three to five games to, to get a proper feel of the player. But that's, I think that's a fairly recognised way of that players are scouted. Hard to know what the the best way is. I think you know, like I said at the start, like you need that human, that that eye on a player and seeing things that you can't get from video or you can't get through the data. But yeah, it's it's the scalability of it. And for for those small clubs with little resources, they've got a huge pool of players they could possibly that could possibly improve their team. But you know how you go about trying to filter those down to to targets is. Uh, you probably have to use some data to get there, but I think uh, I think a lot of fans who watch their team week in week out, they probably know as much as most scouts about their players. It's just hard for them then to work out whether 
you know, a player at Brighton could play for a team in, you know, could play for Gladbach, for example. That's that's the tough bit, I think, working out who's the best player at Brighton. Probably most fans can can do that. Yeah, it's just getting that transferability, I suppose. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. And is the, the scouting process different if it's senior level compared to, to youth level, for example? I mean, I know from covering Liverpool's youth games that there's always sort of 10, 15, 20 scouts at every under-18s, under-23s match. Are they doing the exact same job at that level as they would do if it was Liverpool's senior team that they were scouting? I think it'll be different because they'll be looking more for the um, the physical development in the player. I've got a friend who scouts for Arsenal and he was at the under-17s World Cup uh, when Haaland was there. And uh, they all say now that they recognise Haaland, but they let no one did. Like he went to mould after after that under-17s and he was not the name that everyone was talking about. Um, and someone did a scout report I just read yesterday on our platform and uh, something I didn't know about. He did. He grew late. So, you know, maybe at that under-17s World Cup, he was still 5'11", that sort of height. And now he's 6'3", six, 6'4", six, and has filled out, I expect. And I don't know, but I just get, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, they've, Dortmund have got that, the young Makoku now coming coming through. And he, I think, was matured earlier. And he was, he, you know, he was big and he was knocking knocking players as well as being fast and, and uh, skillful. And, and it's like how those age curves differ. Like people progress at, you know, we all know Wayne Rooney, sort of what he could do at 16, uh, Michael Owen, Robbie Fowler, and they probably all peaked sort of early to mid-20s while you got a Vardy that's peaking, you know, it's probably peaked at 32. So I, th- I thought that would be it, trying to work out whether, you know, they've they've been just... Uh, advantage by their size going through the youth level but uh, yeah it'd be better people to talk to about that than me <laughs> and just just finally then on on scouting before we sort of move on to a, a couple of individual players I mean I know we, we've sort of mentioned that the eye test versus statistics all the way through this podcast is it the case that that one would come before the other would you maybe look at the, 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 the stats and the data and then sort of work out a, a short list of players to go and watch? Or, or would it be the other way around? Or, or is there not necessarily a right and a wrong way of doing it? I think, I think the data is just really good for the, um, for the filtering process. So the 21st Club, for example, they, they value every player across the world. They've got like 100,000 players they value. And, and, it's, and it has to be done on quite low-level data because you don't get deep data for that breadth of, of teams but then it's kind of looking for those standouts and then going a bit deeper into them um, whether that be then data or, or dot to watch them um, I think that's probably the way the best way to go I mean I I, I was I did, was doing a list for a championship club five players five centre-backs and you know I, I, I did some data work I started watching some videos then I was uh, I phoned a friend who was a I was looking at a Wigan player. I was like, he's a season ticket there holder there. I was like, is my data is my view on watching two games what you think? Because I'd like to know because <laughs> you, you, you're you're better than me on on him. So uh, I think it's just trying to use every resource you can to to work it out. And then you know the biggest thing, and it's kind of the mon- the classic sort of <clears throat> money ball 
outtake is that you can all say that everyone can say Haaland's the the most exciting young striker or Mbappe's the most exciting young player, but what is his value? And there's a you know, then it's then that is the, the crucial bit. Like everyone's gonna buy Haaland for sixty million. Should someone be paying two hundred million for him? That's the big question. And I think that's the the same all the way down. And uh, get times where people and, and I think it's really hard, you know, you get owners get pressured from fans, you've looked at a player and then they're like, come on, we want him. They've all looked at him, everyone's excited about him. And then the club goes, no, because they never really say it, but you kind of get the no, we, we won't pay that price for him. And people are like, but I want him, <laughs> you know, um, he's going to be great for us. And so so I think that that part of it is probably the hardest part. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's what I was going to come to next, actually, in terms of a few individual players and, and things like that. I mean, you look at, at someone like Harvey Elliott or, or Curtis Jones at, at Liverpool, would they be sort of valued in your eyes, higher than somebody who's maybe five years older but playing at the same level just because they've got that advantage of having more time to develop or is it maybe not quite that straightforward? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you, you know, you're getting, if you're buying a seven, like what what's Harvey Elliott and Curtis Jones worth? I mean, on our, on five yards, we started, Curtis Jones was like 30 million in the summer and that was because we were, you know, is he going to, is he going to break through? Uh, I think everyone liked him. Everyone thought he was a really promising player. But, you know, it's that. Does, will he get a chance in the team? If he doesn't this year, where where might he go? You know, Brewster obviously left in the in the summer and, and probably the summer before everyone thought that maybe he'd start getting minutes last season. And now, you know, I think Curtis Jones is over 50 million now and that probably feels about right. I mean, I don't see Liverpool selling him. But I don't see him wanting to go. But if he, you know, if they had to, then that feels about what he's probably worth now. And that would be close to, you know, a really almost world class 26 year old because you've, Curtis Jones might never reach that level, but you've got him for a lot longer and, and you've got resale value, even if, even if he doesn't quite make it. And I think the same for Harvey Elliott. I mean, I saw, I saw someone put up that, He's uh, bettered now Jack Grealish's best um, season in the in the championship, or equaled it. We've got we've got one of our scouts, a Blackburn fan, and uh, he's a he, he said he's been unbelievable. And for for seventeen, it's uh, it'd be it'd be really interesting. Like if if someone if one of the front three left this summer, does he get the chance straight away, or is do they feel he's got he's another year out? Um, but he's about the same prices. Curtis Jones, because while he hasn't proven it at the top level yet, like in the cha- in the Champions League or the Premier League, he's he's probably going to get more goals and assists in his career. Um, but yeah, that's the that's the big question that that last sort of uh, you know do they make it to the the very top? Nappy Cater's a really interesting one as well. He's one that we've always sort of heard of as being a player that Liverpool picked out as much as anything for the statistics initially they saw you know the the counter pressing and everything was was pretty much perfect for him at leipzig to come into liverpool and and be a success is it more difficult to to assess a player like him because you know he's been injured so much during his liverpool career you've probably got a, a very small sample size i mean for example i think the something like the the four top games in terms of liverpool's xg this season 
have come when Naby Keita has been on the pitch. But, you know, that's only four games across a season of what is going to be, you know, 55, 60 games potentially. So how can you can you sort of take that that small sample size and, and extrapolate that? Is it obviously a case with, with the injuries that you would look at the injuries and go, well, maybe we don't want to buy him because he's a bit injury prone. But how can you sort of scale up what you do know of a player to, to sort of make their value a bit more realistic as well, if that makes sense? Yeah, I think I think he's 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 a really interesting one. Um, one of the guys that works for us who flagged him up when in his first season was like, "This guy's incredible," and the numbers he was putting up, and and you know he, his his box to box nature, he basically could do everything. It was like he felt felt like he could do what Kante was doing defensively, and yet still then score and assist and dribble, etc. Um, you know his numbers have always been good. His numbers at Liverpool have been good throughout. Liverpool fans have probably been at, you know, I've really liked him. I think he divides opinion, doesn't he? Some people were expecting more from him because they because that's what he was doing at, at Leipzig. But he's got a different role. He's had a different role. Like often he was sort of on the the left of the three and quite quite defensive. And I think his creativity is still there. He's definitely his his number of jewels, dispossessions of of um, uh, tackles is high dribble success is good is good against the press like you know he's he's come to a higher level and he's probably not top the very top level but he's he's certainly you know i think he he's he's a strong liverpool midfield standard and 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 i think i think if he'd been fit i think he'd played a lot of games and i think he'd you know he could be picked up by almost anyone but you know the the injuries just keep coming, don't they? And this is this one's this one seemed like it was an innocuous one, and it's been I don't know it's three months now he's been out. So yeah, I think it's what he's worth. We've got him worth about uh, around thirty million now. Tricky to say because I, I still feel like if he'd if he got fit this season, especially with all the injuries and and the midfield, you know, playing in uh, defence, it could have been Van Alden and him. And Tiago, and that would have been an interesting. I don't know if that would have worked, but um, it would have been an interesting three to see anyway. Yeah, definitely. It's a really, really tricky one for Liverpool in that regard. I think he is on his way back now, so hopefully he can stay fit between now and the end of the season. But we do seem to say that quite frequently with Naby Keita. Just before we finish, one more player I wanted to pick out, and we did touch on this before, but it was Ozan Kabak in terms of. He's obviously come in from the Bundesliga, so he's coming from a different league. He's come from Schalke, who were bottom of the league, conceding about two and a half goals per game for them. How can you assess a player in terms of of Kabak in a certain style at Schalke, which is very, very different to what Liverpool play? How can it be possible for for Liverpool to, to have looked at him and thought he is a top player? Because I suppose if you just looked at the statistics and you probably looked at the eye test as well for Schalke, it probably didn't look too good for him. But Liverpool decided to, to go and, and take a risk on him anyway and could possibly spend 18 million, which is not a small sum, when the summer yeah. comes. Yeah, I think I think it's really hard with centre backs to um to assess them in a on their own in a in a data sense because there's so much I mean I've I've done a lot of kind of analysis of centre backs because I think it's quite an interesting area of of how you value them. Because I always felt like when Mourinho was at Chelsea the first time, it almost didn't matter who he played in in the defence. They were they were good. 
because his he was such a it was such a good structure and because they played deep as well they didn't get exposed so it didn't matter if they were that quick i think with liverpool's high line i, I think it's been shown a lot with uh, i think there were two games in a row weren't there where nat phillips and uh, reese williams both got skinned i think it was danny ings was one of them i can't remember the other but and i'd have thought that pace is pretty critical for for a centre back um, for us, and the one thing heading ability, I think heading ability is is crucial. I think you know while Fabinho's tall, he's he's not the best in the best in the air, and obviously Van Dijk's pretty imperious in the air. But yeah, it's it's a, it's a hard one. I think I think it will be about the attributes they're they're looking for, and then also it's it's a pretty hard market to to try and find a central defender in in January. So wasn't necessarily the <laughs> a whole load of choice to uh, for that and uh, yeah be interesting to see what what ends up with him but you know he's 20 years old and if he'd come in and last season next to van dyke when fabino's shielding it's a very different situation to a team that's lost a bit of its confidence can't score goals and you're playing against next to jordan henderson who's not a center back it's uh, yeah, I think it's pretty hard to to really appraise him so far. But I'd have thought they, you know, I think they've shown with the the players they brought in, like even Van Dyke. When you know there were lots of people saying that was a ridiculous amount of money to play pay for him. You know, he certainly wasn't world class when we bought him. So I think it'll be interesting to see. But I'd I'd probably back them to have found some uh, good attributes underneath there. Yeah, definitely. Just a final question then in your analytical expert opinion, will Liverpool finish in the Champions League spots this season, do you think? I've got them I've got them 50-50 at the moment. Like dead on 50-50 with uh basically uh Man United like look like they're they're fine. Obviously City think it's gonna be a struggle to get past Leicester and then it's kind of us v Chelsea feels like the most likely two to get the fourth place. Yeah, I'm still Still very hopeful, but um, yeah, I'd like to see a couple of wins uh, soon anyway. Yeah, Chelsea midweek next week. Feels like it could be a big one for mm. Liverpool to turn around their Anfield form as much as anything. Guy, thank you very much for, for joining me. Some really interesting stuff there and I'm sure we might get you back on the show at some point in future as well. Brilliant. Thanks, Matt. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.